It is so good to see each and every one of you here this morning. And as Pastor Brent said, if you're joining us online, a special welcome to you. Whether you're in the state of Texas or around the world, we're glad that you're joining us. And we're glad that each and every one of you are here in the room. You made it this morning. Um, And so we are glad that you're here. Yeah, you can give yourself a hand for that. Um, But we're glad that you guys joined us. And for those of you who I haven't had the chance to meet yet, my name's Michael and I'm one of the pastors on staff here. And it's always an honor um, and it's always humbling uh, whenever I get to share uh, on a Sunday morning. So thanks for being here today. Well, I want to do a little word association to start off to kind of get us all on the same page of what we want to talk about this morning. Um, And so they're going to help me with the media here. How many of you, you, all of us, we all know what an American is, right? Every single one of us, we know what an American is. Uh, You know what an Egyptian is, right? Yeah, you're following along. You know what a Canadian is? A, all the Canadians, okay. You know what a comedian is? Right? You know what a comedian is? Okay, but, but what about this, Christian? Isn't it interesting that if we broke you up into groups of 10 and said, hey, everybody, huddle up, and we want you to ask each other this question, what is a Christian? Isn't it interesting that probably you won't get the same answer twice? I mean, if someone came up to you on the street and they said, hey, are you a Christian? Most of you would say, yes, and you would sing the song, I am a C, I am a C-H, I am a C-H-R-I-S-T. Do you guys remember that? Erlene, you remember? No, I'm the only one? Okay, but anyway, so, but, but you would say, yeah, I'm a Christian. Some of you would say, well, can you qualify that? What, what, do you mean, what do you mean by Christian? Some of you would say, yes, but. Some of you would say, no, but. Some of you would say, well, I I, I am, but I'm not, I'm not a part of any specific group or collection of people. When, when it comes to the word Christian, isn't it interesting that all of us, we all have a different perspective and take on, on Christian. And, and then some of you, you were raised in the same tradition that I was. You grew up in, in a church or in a, a spiritual setting or in, in a faith place where, where they said, hey, if you pray a prayer, then you become a Christian. If you pray this prayer, that's when you become a Christian. And you've prayed that prayer a hundred times, right? It was like ibuprofen or Tylenol. You didn't know if it was going to take yet. And so you had to keep praying and praying and praying and praying to make sure that you were a Christian. And then there were some of you, you you were told, you know, it's when you get water baptized. When you go into the waters of baptism and then you come back up, that's when you're a Christian. That's when you know you're a Christian. Or or you were told, your parents told you, we we baptized you when you were an infant, when you were a baby. And and then that's when you became a Christian. Or or you were told, uh, you know what, you you have to go to a class or a confirmation. and, And that's actually when you finally become a Christian. And then there's those of you, you were raised Catholic like my parents and and you were told, you know what, we're the true brand of Christianity. We're the true brand and all the Protestants were saying, well, no, you're not the true brand of Christianity. You're, You're a part of the church, but you're not the church. And all of the Catholics would say, no, we're the true brand. We are the church. But I grew up believing we were the true brand. You know why? Because we had church on Sunday nights. Right? All the Lutherans and Methodists and Catholic churches, they were all dark on Sunday nights. But we were the true brand. Why? Because we had church on Sunday nights. And even though I slept under the pew, at least I was in church. Right? On Sunday nights. And so we all have this different perspective of of what it means to to be a Christian. 
And then there's those of you that you would say, well, I, I used to be a Christian. I, I grew up in a, a Christian home and I heard a preacher preach a sermon and he talked about some car wreck and he literally scared the hell out of me. And so I, I went forward and I gave my life to God, but, but I'm not a Christian anymore. And then others of you would say, well, no, you, there's no such thing as was a Christian because once a Christian, always a Christian, right? Once saved, always saved. Once you're a Christian, then you're always a Christian. And then there would be those of you, no, I, I, I know that there was a Christian because you were taught if you committed certain sins, then you were a was, right? If there were certain sins that you committed in your life, you might have been a Christian, but now you were a was a Christian, and then, then there's those of you who, and you know what it's like to be a was a Christian, right? Because you went on a Christian date or you thought it was a Christian date, but then some not so Christian things happened on that date. And so you were driving five miles below the speed limit on the way home, right? And you're like, Jesus, I promise if you let me get home because I don't want to have a car crash because I know I'll split hell wide open. Just let me get home. And, and you got down on your knees and you prayed again and said, Jesus, I am so back. I promise I'll always, I'll never, I'll start going to church. I'll start giving, I'll even read my Bible. And, and there's those of you that were, were like that, right? And then there's some of you that are here, and maybe you're not in the room, maybe you're watching online today, and, and you would say this, you know what? I, I hate Christians. I, I don't really want to have anything to do with Christianity. Or, or maybe parents, your kids have told you that. I, I don't, I don't want to have anything to do with Christianity. And, and I'll give you the full screen version of, of what you would call a Christian. You, you would say Christians are judgmental, homophobic moralists who think they're the only ones who are going to heaven and secretly relish the fact that everyone else is going to hell. Can I get an amen? I, I mean, some of you have never even said amen in church, but you're like, yeah, that's exactly what I think of when I think of Christian because that's what the world tells me or that's what the news tells me or, or that's what culture tells me that that's what Christians are right? And, and then there's, there's some of you that, again, you would say, well, I, I'm not that, but I'm not, I'm not the other extreme. I, I'm just somewhere, I'm somewhere in between when it comes to Christian. Isn't it interesting that, that a term that we use in, in Christian circles, a, a term that we use to define ourselves, a, a term that the world use, uses to define people who go to church on Sunday morning, isn't it interesting that if you sat us all down, that there would be numerous opinions on what it means to be a Christian. And, and here, here's the good news. If your internet goes out or if you fall asleep or if you decide to leave early because I offend you and I promise I'll offend you at some point in time, so get ready. But it, here's the thing. The, the good news is this, that everything that I just said, none of that is in the Bible when it comes to defining Christian. None of that. None of those things are in the Bible when it comes to defining Christian. And the bad news is this, that maybe what you've thought, maybe what you've been taught about Christianity or being a Christian, it's probably wrong. And maybe for some of you, for the first time in a long time, you're going to go home this afternoon because you're going to be like, man, there is no way that guy told us the truth. And you're going to pick up your Bible and you're going to be like, and you're going to dust it off. 
And you're going to open it up, which is a win for me. I get a gold medal if you open up your Bible. I feel like that's a win. Because if I can make you look at Scripture and think about actually what I said this morning and go to God's Word and actually look and say, man, did that guy really tell us the truth? That's a win for me. So I, I'm, I would be grateful. Some of you are going to call your real pastor because you don't even think of me as a real pastor. Or you're going to call your priest and be like, hey, I need to schedule an appointment because this crazy Mexican guy said some crazy things. For, about the Bible and I really need to come in and talk to you because I don't even know if he said what he told us was true and, and here, here again church here, here's the thing when, when it comes to the word Christian in all its derivatives Christian, Christianity, Christians it only appears three times in the Bible only three times and, and it's never used the, the Christians are never using the word Christian to describe themselves. It's always a group of outsiders that are looking into this group of believers and saying, oh, it's a derogatory term. Oh, yeah, those Christians. It's like redneck or geek or deadhead. It's, it's that idea of, oh, yeah, the, the people who act the same or look the same or dress the same or believe the same or listen to the same music. Oh, yeah, those, those Christians. It, it, it was used in a derogatory way to describe, to label this group of people who were Jesus followers. And it was always outsiders looking in. And, and so we're, we're going to be looking at, at the book of Acts and we're going to, at the end of the sermon, we're going to look at the book of John. And for those of you who are new to scripture, and, and many of you already know this, the Bible's broken up into two parts, the Old Testament and, and then the New Testament. And the first four books of the New Testament are Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And again, we're going to look at John a little bit, but we're mainly going to be in the book of Acts. And, and as you're turning there, it's going to be Acts chapter 11. And, and I just kind of want to set up this story for you. Acts chapter 11 this is after Jesus has been crucified, he's risen from the dead, he's ascended back to heaven, and, and it's this story of, of opening day when, when all of the believers came together and the opening day for the church and, and how we got here and how we got started. And, and, and it's not even really a book, it's an ancient manuscript, and a writer by the name of Luke, he investigated all of this. And so this group of believers, they, again, they didn't call themselves Christians. They actually called themselves, and you can look it up for yourself in the book of Acts over and over again. They call themselves followers of the way. Followers of the way. And these followers of the way, persecution breaks out in Jerusalem because they keep talking about Jesus, and he's risen, and he's risen indeed, and over and over again, and there's miracles happening, and the lame are walking, and the dead are, are being raised, and, and people are, blinded eyes are being opened. I mean, God's just doing some incredible things in the church, and so the Sadducees and the Pharisees, the people who killed Jesus, they start persecuting the church, and so many of the believers, the followers of the way, they leave Jerusalem, and they go to modern-day Turkey, to a city called Antioch. And they start telling these Romans, these Greek-speaking Roman Gentiles, they start telling them about Jesus and how they saw him rise from the dead. And there's over 500 witnesses that saw him crucified and then rise from the dead. And they're telling, and these Romans, these Gentiles are coming to faith and they're putting their faith in this religious Jewish knockoff religion of these followers of the way and, and believers are being added to the church and so word gets back to Peter James and John back in Jerusalem and they say hey we need to check this out and so they get one of their main guys Barnabas and say hey Barney go up there and check out what's going on in Antioch 
So Barnabas gets his stuff together. He goes up to Antioch. He's there for a few days, and he realizes, wow, there's many, many people that are coming to faith in Jesus. And he says, I need backup. And so he goes and finds super follower of Jesus, Saul. You guys remember where Saul was from? Right, good job. Front row always knows. Tarsus, exactly. He, he's from Tarsus. He's from Tarshish, and so Barnabas goes to Tarshish, and he finds Saul, and he says, Saul, come with me to Antioch, because there's all these believers, there's all these people that are becoming followers of Jesus, and I need your help. And listen to this interesting verse here in Acts chapter 11, in verse number 25, and again, if you don't have your Bibles, it'll be up on the screen. It says, and Barnabas left for Tarshish to look for Saul, again, who later becomes Paul, and when he found him, he brought him to Antioch, and for an entire year... They met with the church and taught great numbers. And then here's, here's this first clue for us this morning. And the disciples were first called Christians in Antioch. They were first called Christians in Antioch. See, again, the Christians didn't call themselves Christians. They called themselves something else, but they were first called Christians where in Antioch now we know from an outside source so what I'm getting ready to quote to you everybody listen this is not in the Bible okay you can google it all right you can go to your local library if you have a library card and you can check out Encyclopedia Britannica all right and you can look this up for yourself but how many of you have heard of the historian Tacitus anyone in here ever heard of Tacitus all right or you can raise your hand and look really smart right now okay and, and you may have heard of Tacitus if you stayed awake in history class Tacitus he wrote about four or five Roman emperors he he lived and he died around 117 AD and so Tacitus he wrote about these four emperors and he's this Roman historian and and he wrote specifically about one very famous emperor named Nero now Nero did something that no one else has ever done he, he said you know what I want to start the city of Rome over so in 64 AD Nero said let's burn Rome to the ground which was a bad idea. I mean, when you're burning people's homes and businesses and communities, that's a bad idea. And so Nero realizes that after he's already lit the match and poured the gasoline. And all of a sudden, he's not a popular guy anymore. And so Tacitus, he writes something about Nero. And I want you to listen to this, all right? So it's going to be up on the screen. Consequently, to get rid of the report, again, that Nero was burning down the city, Nero fastened the guilt and inflicted the most exquisite tortures on a class hated for their abominations called, what? Christians. By who? The populace. See, once again, Christians didn't call themselves Christians. The outsiders, people outside of Christianity called themselves, called this group Christians and Tacitus goes on he says Christus from whom the name had its origin now that's Christ and so here I'm going to help you a little bit I'm going to help you guys out a little bit here because some of you may have thought of this before people kept hearing hey Jesus Christ he rose from the dead Jesus Christ he's our savior Jesus Christ he's our Lord and so these Romans these Greeks these Gentiles keep hearing these believers these Christians say Christ Christ Jesus Christ and they thought maybe what some of you thought that that was his last name so there's Mary Christ Joseph Christ and Jesus Christ but, but that wasn't it, okay? So for all of you who've thought that, it's okay. We've probably all thought that at some point in time. But that wasn't his last name. It was a title. Because the word Christ translated into the Hebrew is Messiah. 
But the Greeks and the Gentiles and the Romans weren't looking for a Messiah. The Jewish people were looking for Messiah. And so they said, Jesus Christ. And, and so Tacitus writes about this. Christus, from whom the name had its origin, suffered the extreme penalty during the reign of Tiberius at the hands, this is what we talked about last week and on Good Friday, one of our procurators, Pontius Pilatus, or some translations say Pontius Pilate. See, again, Tacitus is writing, hey, these Christians, the, these groups, group of people who say they follow Jesus, they actually got their name from this guy, you know, Judea, the, the Roman armpit of the empire where there's always these rebels rising up. Yeah, there was this guy named Jesus and Pontius Pilate crucified him and that's where this group of Christians came from. But again, the Christians didn't call themselves Christians. The Christians called themselves something far more terrifying than that. The, the reason that you have people on every side of every issue, on the right and on the left, that call themselves Christians, the reason there's so many Christian denominations, the reason there's so many Christian cults, the reason that it, we can't seem to get along with one another, all the Christians in the world, is because that you can't look in the Bible and say, hey, this is what Christians should do, and this is what Christians shouldn't do. Because it's only mentioned three times. The first one was right there, that the Christians were first called Christians in Antioch. The second time is Peter, in one of his letters, he writes, the Christians are being persecuted. Again, he's looking at from where the outsiders are looking and they're persecuting all the Christians. And then if you read in the book of Acts, Paul is standing on trial before one of the kings and the king stands up and says, Paul, are you wanting me to become a Christian like you? Those are the only three times that the word Christian is used in the entire Bible. See, the disciples called themselves something far more terrifying, something far more defined, and it's this word right here. Disciple. Disciple. See, disciple, it, you can hide behind Christianity all day long. People have gone to war in the name of Christianity. You can, do, you can undefine it, redefine it, misdefine it. You can do whatever you want to and attach all you want to the, the name Christian. But you look at this word right here, disciple, it flips the switch. It is a game changer because the word disciple is so defined in Scripture. Again, we'll read the verse. Now it makes sense. The disciples were first, were called Christians first in Antioch. If you ask the disciples, hey, what are you? They would say, I'm a disciple. I'm a follower of Jesus. And, and disciple in the Greek, it's metheos, and it just simply means follower, learner, apprentice. A disciple is someone like this. Hey, I'm looking to make this decision in my, my life. How would you make that decision? That's what I'm going to do. Hey, hey, there's this relational situation in my life. What would you do if you were me? That's what I'm going to do. Hey, I'm trying to learn how to manage my finances. What would you do if you were in my situation? Oh, okay, well then that's what I'm going to do. See, a disciple is someone who's looking to someone else for answers, and they're saying this, the answer is yes. Before whatever you tell me to do, whatever you think I should do, 
Before you even give me the answer or the direction that I should go, my answer is yes. Woo! <laughs> See, it's easy to hide behind Christianity. In American Christian culture, we can hide because we're very individualistic. We want to make our own decisions. We don't want anyone else telling us what to do. But a disciple says, I'm going to do whatever you tell me to do. Even if it makes me uncomfortable, even if I don't like the answer, even if it seems weird or awkward, even if I've never done that before, because I'm a disciple, I'm a follower of Jesus. Jesus, my answer is yes. Whatever you ask me to do, wherever you ask me to go, whatever you ask me to sell, whatever you ask me to give up, whatever relationship you tell me to give up, give up and get out of, my answer is yes. Now what do you think I should See, that's different than Christian. Christian, everybody can be Christian. <laughs> Disciple, that's a little bit uncomfortable. And in fact, most of you are hoping and praying, you're like, Jesus, please no. And, and, and th that at the end of this sermon, I'm not going to say, hey guys, from now on, we're all going to call ourselves disciples. We're not going to say Christian anymore or Christianity. We're all going to call ourselves disciple. And you would be like, mm, Michael, that's just, that's weird. That's uncomfortable. That's I don't know if I can do that. Exactly. Because again, disciple is so clearly defined in Scripture. Just a couple more verses and then we'll be done. So the word of God, and this is Acts chapter 6, the word of God spread and the number of disciples in Jerusalem increased rapidly. Acts chapter 9 and verse 26. Again, this is the Apostle Paul and it says, when he came to Jerusalem, he tried to join the disciples. This is Paul. Paul or Saul, he, he had persecuted the Christians. You guys remember this? He was standing there when Stephen, the first guy who got martyred for being a disciple, he was killed and Paul was standing there giving approval for Stephen's death. And, and then Paul starts getting everyone arrested and thrown in prison and executed for being a part of this group called Christians. And, and so he wants to join the disciples. Paul had this encounter on the road to Damascus with Jesus. His life gets flipped upside down, transformed and changed. He's a follower of Jesus now. And listen to what happens to him. He tried to join the disciples, but they were all afraid of him, not believing he was a disciple. They thought Paul's just going to come in here and get all of our names down. And then he's going to make sure we're getting thrown in prison or we're being killed for our faith in Jesus. They wouldn't even let Paul be a disciple because they were afraid. And then ladies, this is for you. There were actually disciple-ettes, okay? In Acts chapter 9, verse 36, it says, In Joppa there was a disciple named Tabitha, and she was always doing good and helping the poor. And so the whole point of, of the sermon here this morning is this. I, I know you're all Christians, but are you a disciple? Are you a disciple? Is your answer... Yes, Jesus. Yeah, wh whatever you want me to do, Jesus, yes. My, my answer is yes, whatever it is that you're asking me to do. And, and just, I, I want us to look at John, and so you're welcome to turn there in John chapter 13. And, and I think Jesus here, he, he's giving the bottom line. He's saying, if, if you forget the Sermon on the Mount, if you forget all of my other teachings, turn the other cheek, an eye for an eye, all of those things. If you forget all of that stuff that I've already told you about, here's the bottom line. If you forget everything else I've said, he's getting ready to tell us, here's the bottom line of what it looks like to be a disciple. 
And church, I believe this with all my heart. If we would have gotten this right, there would have been no first world war. If just the Christians had gotten this teaching of Jesus right, there would not have been a second world war. There would have never been a civil war in this country. Slavery would have been done away with a long, long time ago. There would have been no need for the civil rights movement if just the Christians had gotten this one little command of Jesus correct. None of that stuff would have happened. If just the Christians had actually taken to heart and put into practice what Jesus is about to command his disciples to do. It would have completely and totally changed our world, our nation, our community, if we would have just gotten this one thing right. And, and so to set it up here, this is, this is the Last Supper, okay? Jesus has already washed everybody's feet. Judas is left to go and betray him, all right? And, and Jesus is getting ready. He's like, this is the bottom line. This is it. If you forget everything else, this is what I want you to remember. And so he's getting ready to tell them. And parents, you know what this is like, right? When your kids go off to college or, or they move out of the house, you're, you're thinking to yourself, okay, I got to remind them. That here's three things you need. To, well, mom said there's four or five. Well, here's the six things you need to remember, all right, as you're getting ready to leave. And Jesus says, there's just one. I just want you to remember this one thing before I leave. This is what I want you to remember. And in John chapter 13 and verse 33, this is what Jesus says. My children, I will be with you only a little while longer. So he's saying, hey, lean in. We had 12, now we're down to 11. Let's get this over with before we keep losing more, guys. You will look for me, and just as I told the Jews, so I tell you now, where I am going, you cannot come. To which Peter, big mouth, always has to say something. Jesus, what, what do you mean? Hold on, where are you going that I can't come? Is Andrew going and you're just leaving me out of this, Jesus? I mean, come on. I want to be on your right or left. I know John and James have been talking to you about that. But, but Jesus, come on, come on. Uh, where are you going? I want to go where you're going. And Jesus says, Peter, calm down. All right. Take your pills. It's going to be okay. A new command I give you. That word new could be unusual, strange, odd, something you've never heard before. A new command I give you. Love one another to which the disciples would scratch their head and say well jesus this this isn't new this is in the torah this, we, we've heard you talk about this before what, what do you mean new command love one another we we know we, we know we're supposed to do that but jesus goes on he says, i'm not finished as i have loved you <laughs> so you must love one another as I have loved Matthew remember the first time we met Matthew remember what you were doing Matthew yeah what were you doing Matthew I, I was a tax collector right you were a traitor John remember where we went after I told Matthew to follow me yeah where'd we go John we went to Matthew's house where, where'd we go John Matthew's house Jesus I I my mom always told me, you're not supposed to go to tax collector's house. And you took us to Matthew's house and they were throwing a party. It was like, right? All the tax collectors are there, all the prostitutes, all the sinners. Jesus, you took us in there. Yeah, guys, remember that? Remember how you and Matthew, there was this conflict between you guys? Remember how I loved Matthew? Remember how I treated Matthew, even though he was a tax collector, even though he was a traitor? 
that's how I want you to love one another. What about you, Nathaniel? Remember, Nathaniel? Remember the first time that we met? You were sitting under that tree? None of you, all, all of you don't know about this. Only Philip, his brother, knows. Remember, Nathaniel? Philip came to you and he said, Hey, Nathaniel, we found the Christ. We found the Messiah. He's from Nazareth. And remember what you said, Nathaniel? Can anything, come, anything good come out of Nazareth? Nathaniel, you dissed my whole family. You, you dissed my whole community. You made fun of my whole background, Nathaniel. And remember how I treated you? Nathaniel looks down. Yeah, I remember. You loved me, right? That's how I want you to treat each other. Even if you don't see eye to eye, even if you don't agree, even if you don't get along, I want you to love one another. Even if they post something on Facebook that you don't agree with, uh-oh, I want you to love one another. Guys, remember that first time I preached that one sermon, my vampire sermon? I mean, I had it over on Twilight. Remember I said, unless you eat my flesh and drink my blood, you have no part of me? You remember that? And everyone wanted to leave. Everyone wanted to go that day. Everyone wanted to scatter. And you guys remember, right? You were all wanting to fade into the background and be like, okay, Jesus, see you later. This is just getting too weird. This is too awkward. Eat your flesh, drink your blood. And remember how I treated you? Remember how I forgave you? Remember how I loved you even though you wanted to walk out on me? That's how I want you to love each other. And listen how he goes on, church. Listen to what he says. By this, by this one thing, not by how loud you preach, not by how loud you pray, not by how high you lift your hands, not by how high you jump, not by how loud you speak in tongues, all of those things, not how, by how you're baptized, none of that. By this one thing, not by how much you attend church or how much you give on Sunday mornings. None of that. He said, by this one thing. Listen, everyone will know you're my what? Disciples. If you do what? If you love one another. So church, again, I, I know we're all Christians. <laughs> but are we disciples? And this next part of the verse is my favorite part. I mean, Jesus has just laid down the bottom line. He says, this is it. This is what you need to remember. You don't have to remember everything else. If you could just get this right, everyone will know you're my disciple. And listen to what Peter says. Simon Peter asked him, Lord, where are you going? Peter are you kidding me? Yeah, Jesus, I mean, I heard about all of that love stuff and love one another. That's nice and that's good. But Jesus, where are you going? Where, where are you going, Jesus? And I'm sure Jesus wants to grab Peter by his collar and be like, listen to me. But Jesus, I, I want to be where you are at. I want to be on your right, on your left. Peter, in less than a, two or three hours, a middle school girl is going, to intimidating you, is going to intimidate you into denying that you even know me. Jesus, I, I'm not going to deny you. I'm willing to die with you. I'm willing to go to prison with you. I'm willing to do whatever I have to do to be with you, Jesus. 
Peter, I don't want you to die for me. I don't even want you to go to prison for me. I want you to do something far more difficult than that, Peter. Jesus, what could be more difficult than that? Peter, I want you to love these guys the way that I have loved you. You know how I loved you unconditionally? No strings attached. It it doesn't matter how many times you fall on your face. It doesn't matter how many times you fail. I'm still going to be there to love you. Peter, that's how I want you to love these guys. Peter, I want you to create communities of people, of individuals that love each other so much that everyone on the outside looks in and says, man, look how those husbands love their wives. Look how those wives honor and love their husbands. Look how those kids honor their fathers and and their mothers. Look how they love each other. Look how they love the sick and the poor and those that are in need. Look how they love even those who persecute them and laugh at them and stone them and mock them and run them out of town. Look how they love. Peter, I want you to go and create communities like that. I want you to create communities where people on the outside are looking in and saying, you know what, I don't know if I believe all that Jesus stuff. I I don't know if I agree in all that Bible stuff. But man, I sure hope my daughter marries one of them because look how those husbands treat their wives. I I don't know if I want to go to church or become part of that group or, or become part of those believers or those followers of the way. But man, I... I sure hope that I work for one because look how those employers treat their employees. They treat them with respect and honor and they, it almost seems like they genuinely care and they love them. Peter, I want you to create communities like that where people are drawn in from the outside, where they see how you treat one another and how you love each other and that they're pulled in and they're not afraid because they see how you care for those around you. Peter, I want you to love in such a way that it transforms and changes the world around you. And church, you know this. If you study history, the Roman Empire was flipped upside down because a group of Christians decided to love. They didn't pick up a sword. They didn't pick up a shield. They didn't go to war. They simply loved the places and the people and the communities that they lived in. And and so my my question again is just simply this, are you a disciple or are you a Christian? Do you love the way that Jesus loves? And is your answer yes? You you should try this. If you're a Christian, you, you should just try this, just for this week, not after that, just for one week, just try this, and then after that, I'll let you off the hook. Just this week, just try to love those around you. And, and I know your wife's a mess, and your husband's a wreck, and your teenagers are teenagers, okay? I get that. I know your parents haven't had an original thought since 1960-something. I understand that. I understand that you're surrounded by morons. You're the only balanced person you know. I get it, okay? I, I get that. You're the only balanced person that you know in your family or in your community or at your workplace. You're the only balanced person. You're it. You're the only one. But what if, what if just for this week, not for the rest of your life, not even for the rest of this year, just for this week, you decided, you know what? I'm going to be a ridiculous lover of people around me. 
Even if I don't get anything in return, this isn't, hey, Michael, I tried this for a few days and my wife's a different person. No, this isn't a means to an end. This isn't, I'm trying to fix you. This is, if I don't get anything back, regardless of the outcome, regardless of the sum of all of my love, I'm just going to love unconditionally. No strings attached, nothing back for myself. I'm just going to show the love that Jesus showed. Just try it, just for a week, and see what happens. If you're a Christian, you, you should be doing this. And then for those of you who aren't Christians, or who you, you would define Christians, the, what we said earlier, they're judgmental, homophobic, moralist, who they're so glad and that everyone else is going to hell and, and that they're going to heaven. I, I, I get that. If I had grown up in the church that you grew up in, if I had seen the way that your parents, they called themselves Christians and the way your dad treated your mom, the way your mom treated your dad, if I was a part of the church that you were a part of and they hurt you so bad, they weren't loving, they were the opposite of that and that's why you left Christianity, that's why you left God, that's why you left faith. I, I understand that, I get that. It, I would probably feel the same exact way that you do. So I don't, I don't judge you for that. I don't think I'm better than you because of that. But my hope and my prayer for you, if, if that's you, I, I would be very sad if you missed out on who Jesus is because we have failed as Christians to love you the way that Jesus has commanded us to love you. And, and so I'm sorry if that's you and if that's ever happened to you. I, I apologize and, and I, I take a part of the blame for that. But, but my hope for you is this, because Jesus levels the playing field. And, and the thing that you hate about Christians and the thing that you hate about me and the thing that you hate about the church is really if you're honest, the same thing that you hate about yourself. And it's this, that you don't even hold to your own standards. I don't even hold to my own standards. Forget God's standards. Jesus always raised the bar higher than anyone could ever reach. But, but forget God's standards for a moment. You're not even consistent with your own standards in your own life. I'm not even consistent with my own standards in my own life. So my fear for you is that you would walk away from Christianity. You would walk away from the church and you would miss out on a God who loves you and who said, in spite of your sin, in spite of your mistakes, in spite of your shortcoming, in spite of all of your issues and all of your hangups, I love you. And I would hate for you to walk out on church. I would hate for you to give up on Christianity and miss what Jesus has promised to you because Jesus my Savior and Jesus the Savior for many people who are in here said I have come so that you could have life and have it more abundantly let me pray for us Heavenly Father I thank you for preserving this sacred text for over 2,000 years God and it's still so relevant for us here today. Thank you that Tacitus heard about something that was going on in the city of Jerusalem and he, he investigated it and he wrote about it, about these Christians. And it transformed and changed the world. These people who followed Christ, the Savior who was willing to lay down his life 
because he loved us so much. So God, I pray for all of us that are in here this morning, wherever this sermon, wherever this teaching lands with us, God, would you give us the wisdom to know what to do? And then God, would you give us the courage to love those around us? God, would you give us the courage to be disciples, not just Christians, but God, be people who, who say our answer is yes, Lord, regardless of what you're asking us to do. Because you're our Lord, you're our Savior, you're the one that we're following. We're not following a man, we're not following a church, we're not following a denomination, we're following Jesus. So our answer is yes to whatever you're calling us to do. And God, for those who have been hurt by the church, those who have been hurt by Christianity, those who have been hurt by Christians, God, I pray that a healing would begin in their hearts and in their minds and in their lives today. And we ask all these things in the matchless name of Jesus. Amen.